Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. I'm ready to hear, then do your word, which I'm about to receive, which makes all things new in Jesus' name. Amen. So God, have your way. Speak to us now. Can I just get you to take 10 seconds before we get into this word and just worship the God of your salvation? Come on, take 10 seconds. 10, 9. Come on, worship the God that saved you, the God that protects you. 9. Come on. 8, 7, 6. Come on. Five, come on. Four, come on, church. Three, say, Lord, I worship you. Two, say, Lord, I need you. Say, Lord, I'm ready to receive. You can grab a seat. Let's go to work. So we're in this series called Dynasty. Now, interestingly enough, if you ever watched the TV show Dynasty, that was actually filmed right here in Denver. It was filmed in what's known as the Denver Tech Center. So there's a connection to this city, to, this, to that particular TV show that perhaps you didn't even know about. It was filmed less than 10 minutes from this building. Dynasty, what have we learned, is a sequence of rulers from the same family. And I've taught you so far that when you become a Christian and when you are born again, you literally now are born into a new spiritual family. That is the family of God. And God is a king. Therefore, his sons and daughters are what? Kings. This is why the scripture says things in Revelation like, he makes us to be kings and priests. That means we are spiritual and successful. And I need you to get your mind around that because sometimes you can become one dimensional and you miss the fact that God is not. Sometimes you can be so focused on one thing that you miss the fact that we love a Jesus that's king over everything. Sometimes you can be so focused on getting through your last issue that you forget that God is the God that gets you through every issue. And I need you to open up your mouth and say, I'm in a new dynasty. Say that. So this past Wednesday, we learned that relationships will be broken. And we took this from a larger standpoint than just in the context of family, but in relationships, period. And in this, uh, we really asked this important question because, yes, we're in a new spiritual dynasty, but we all come from bloodlines. And those bloodlines, there's a distinction that has to be made. There's a distinction between family and relatives. See, everybody that has your last name is not necessarily your family. Everybody that looks like you is not necessarily your family. Let's take a peek at the series graphic one more time because every time I look at this, I am reminded of this fact that the man leading the dynasty doesn't look like the people that he's leading. And I need you to get your mind around the fact that who ends up actually being your family may not have your last name, may not have grown up in your house. Why, Bishop? Because Jesus makes a distinction between family and relatives. Jesus, when his mother and brothers come in and they are trying to interrupt him, and the sad thing about some of you is you keep getting played by the same trick. What do you mean? You keep falling for the same stuff over and over and over again. It's a sad thing to watch people, watch me, go down the same path they've already been down. And I pray that for the rest of the four months left in this year, that you would not be around people that have been where they are going. Because there are certain people that all they do are, they're negative, they're sourpuss, they're depressed, 
depressed and got a bunch of anxiety and they try to project that mess on you. Woo! But I need you to act like you a G in the spirit. What does that mean? Baby, I'm a gangster in the spirit. You don't know me. You don't know man. You're not putting your mess on me. You're not putting your issue on me. You're not putting your drama on me. And if you don't want to come with me, I'll cancel you and get another. Open up your mouth and say, my next four will be a whole lot more. So Jesus makes a distinction because his mother and brothers, they're literally trying to interrupt him. They show up while Jesus is preaching and they tell Jesus, we need to see him. And Jesus doesn't even address them. Stop. Let me teach you a lesson. You keep addressing people that do not need to be addressed. Sometimes you, watch me, sometimes you need to learn to say, listen, I'm not even addressing that. A king sits on a throne, and for me to come down there and deal with you acting like a little boy, acting like a little girl, I'm not getting off of my throne to deal with you. Lay your hands on yourself and say, come down for what? I, if you so grown, you better come to me like you grown. If you so grown, you better act like you grown, because I'm not coming down there to play these little childish games with you. I was sent to rule and to reign and to conquer and to subdue. And if you get in my way, baby, you're going to have hell to pay. I... Are you still here? So look at me, look at me, look at me. Jesus makes a distinction. Jesus says, I'm not even going to deal with them. Jesus asked the man that came in to relate a message. Stop. Let me tell you where your enemies are. They're in the message relayers. You need to be careful who, who's running in between to relay messages. Because let me tell you what they're doing. They're playing both sides. Huh? I've learned one thing about a liar. Watch me. A liar normally has lying friends. Come on here. A, a, watch me. I learned one thing about a skeezer. A skeezer normally got skeezing friends. That, you still here? So watch me. Check this out. Check this out. Jesus, Jesus, he checks the person that relays the message. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, your mom and them outside to come see you. Jesus is like, hey, 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 who are my mother and brothers? He points to his 12. The 12 that would become the ruling apostles. In Acts 1, we learned that the term for them would be bishops. He says to them, he says, who, this is my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father, which means family is determined by direction, not by association. The moment you decide not to be headed in the same direction, which is forward. Somebody say, I'm headed forward then you need to take a look at how you define those people. Can I even give you revelation? At one point in your life, they may have been family. Oh my God. But the moment they decided that they ain't gonna do what God say, the moment they decide they're not gonna do God's will, then you're gonna have to redefine them because you're expecting from them what they don't have the capacity to deliver to you. And some of y'all, watch me. I need you to learn how to watch the shapeshifters. I need you to learn how to pay attention to the people that are chameleons around you. They say the right stuff. They do the right stuff. They act the right way. But the truth is they are not your family. They are trying to use you to get a come up. But I rebuke every user from your next four months. Open your mouth and say, they out of here, out of here, out of here, out of here. Jesus looks at his 12 and said, this, my mother and brothers, he redefines family. Jesus said, my family is who I can count on. I can't count who I can't count on. It's amazing people that want credit, watch me, for thinking about showing up. <laughs> for thinking about being loyal. Here's what they say. I was going to say something to her for how she was talking about you, but I didn't do it. Oh, you were thinking about it, though? The fact that you didn't do it just revealed to me I need to put you in a whole nother category. Forgive me for treating you like Coca-Cola, baby. Baby, you ain't Coca-Cola. You, you RC. Listen, I apologize. It's my fault. So look, we learn relationships will become broken. You even see this with Jesus. With Jesus and, and, and his own blood. The relationships are so broken, they don't even talk to him. They talk through messengers. If God's family has some problems, I need you to understand, yours is absolutely, certainly, most definitely going to have some trouble, trouble, trouble. Now, listen, I asked you this question on Wednesday, and this is so powerful. Please get this 915, because most 
Christians operate from this word, and I need to teach you, they operate from this word, restoration. Our God is a God of restoration. Mitsubishi Subaru Honda and Hyundai. And Jesus is saying, I never said that. Because why would you want me to restore you with who was trying to kill you? Why in the heaven, hell, and earth would you want me to repair something that was never broken in the first place? You just thought it was something that it never was. You sitting here talking about let's have a family meeting to discuss what? You are a treasonous snake. All I need to do is keep you in the cage. It's my fault for bringing you out and inviting you to lunch. All right, listen. Here's the question. Does the relationship need to be healed because it's broken? Or is it working as it was designed and you just need to heed that reality? Everybody look at me. Jesus never, ever rebuked his brothers and mothers. Mm -mm. Jesus is like, this is how they are. This is how they are. And if I, please look at me, if I use my time trying to change them, I, I only have, look at me, I only have three and a half years to get this gospel preached. And if I spend all my time trying to have restoration when it was never right in the first place. And you know what started it? Because they got different daddies. Let's talk. See, because the family has blends. I want to preach now. Because there's a blend in the family. Watch me. There, there's, there's a difference in the burden. Y'all can act like that because Joseph is your daddy. But I am the anthropos, 100% God, 100% man, Jesus was. So Jesus was like, I don't have the luxury of acting sloppy like you. And, and you looking at me saying, I'm doing too much when the reality is you don't do enough. I need for some of you to understand why your bloodline is giving you so much hell. It ain't everybody, but it's somebody. It's because, watch me, there was a difference that was made, and God made the difference. And here's the thing. You recognize it, but sometimes, or they recognize it, but sometimes you can't. Because you're so busy trying to have restoration that you don't pay attention to the fact you were never set up to fit in like that anyhow. You were never set up. You're supposed to be the black sheep. Why? So everybody see you, and everybody see you, and everybody follow you. I'm not supposed to take sides. I am supposed to take over. You still here? So, so does it need to be fixed? Can I give you another example? Jesus never tried to fix Judas. Y'all know what we spent a lot of time doing? Trying to address our Judases. So tell me why you did that. Your, everybody look at me. Your actions are an announcement. The only thing I need to do is settle that. I'm good with it. I'm okay with it. I'm not angry about it. I'm not frustrated about it. I'm good. Think about this. Jesus knew Judas was stealing. Is this, you got some cash? Anybody here got some cash? Checking the cash. All right. Let me borrow some cash from you. You got some cash? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, Cass. Come on. Oh, come in a minute. Hold on. Let me get all of it. I'm a faithful giver. I flourish. Come on. All right, look. Jesus knew Judas was stealing. Here's how Judas would steal. They would pass. Let me have a bucket, basket, something. Just give me something. Any ladies got one of your backpacks with you? Here we go. All right, just, just okay. Just come on. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. All right. They passed the basket. They passed the basket. Judas would, all right. Praise God. Amen. It was good service today. <laughs> Judas would go in the back. Now, Jesus is omniscient, omniscience, all-knowing. Anything that he, you can know always goes back to the fact that he always knew. You got me? Judas would go in the back. They count the money. He'd be like, y'all can go. I got it. Be careful of people who want access to stuff that has nothing to do with them. What do you mean, Bishop? Have you ever noticed how people start asking you questions that have nothing to do? You know, that has nothing to do with why you're... Be careful, because people are always telling on themselves. You just have to listen. They always do. And, and you know what gets me? We'd be shocked when they told on themselves. Y'all quiet to me. That's cool. Judas would take a little off. Right? 
take the folded money. Just keep separation. Here you go, Jesus. And he's like, you have brought the offering for me to bless. That's how Jesus talked. You have brought the offering for me to bless. Judas. Yes, Lord. That all of it? Huh? <laughs> if you can, huh? You, you heard me. That's all of it, Judas? Uh, yeah, I mean, it looked like a... I don't know, Peter and them was in the room before. Uh, watch me, how do I know I'm dealing with a Judas? Let me just give you this. It's because the first thing they do is blame somebody else for why they. Hmm. And you know what Jesus never ever does? There's that, I try to keep it separate for those who gave it, all right? For your props, okay? Everybody look at me. Jesus never says thank you. He never says anything to Judas. Had that been you? You in there counting. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. No, we finna have a meeting. Now, I saw how many people came up for that special offering. This don't add up. You know why Jesus never did that? Because Jesus said, you're going to pull me into emotions. Because I'm going to start thinking about the, my emotional connection to you. And I will ignore the fact that you are not loyal to me. I will think about the fact that you were here when I started. And, and sometimes we confuse longevity for loyalty. Cancer stays with you for a long time too until you put some radiation on it. I, I wish you would stop thinking that because people have longevity that they have loyalty. That just means they've been stealing from you longer. Listen, I need you to know that in your next four, God is shutting all of that down. Say yes, Lord. So, 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 so that's the pivotal question. Does this, does the relationship need to be healed because it's broken? Or is it working as it was designed? And I just need to heed that reality. So listen, in studying Abram, and it's relative a lot. We learned to answer that question, we have to, these are the points I gave you Wednesday, stop the strife. Abram's like, I'm not doing this with you. Just open your mouth and say, I'm not doing this. It just is what it is. I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not having a meeting over stuff that's, that's clear. It's clear. Like, why have a meeting? I'm just going to stop the strife. He's like, we're not fighting. We're not, there's not going to be no strife between your kinsmen, my kinsmen, between me and you. He said, I know you like that lot because that feeds your energy to feel important. If I give you my attention, it makes you feel important. And some of you have to be careful that, watch me, the reason people start doing stuff is because they really want attention. They don't want resolution. I feel like praising, praising him. So number one, stop the strife. Number two, get everybody on the same page. You call everybody in the room together and you check them where they show out. Private checks only are designed for private breaches. Public breaches deserve public checks. So Abraham brought them all together and said, oh, let's get on the same page. Then here's what we have to do. We have to accept the reality of who they are so we can adjust our expectations. Much of our frustration is that we're just not dealing with it accordingly. And you'll remember on Wednesday, I compared an Android and an Apple phone. Now, I want to let you in on a secret. Please don't tell anyone. Please don't. Come on, guys. Keep it just between us. The truth is, Apple has not been the same since Steve's been gone. This new guy, thank God for him. But I have never had more problems in the whole historicity since this new guy's been here. So a couple times, the devil tried to get in my mind. And the devil said to me, what did he say, Bishop? He said, look at the Android products. And I rebuked him because I said, I'm not doing this. The Bible says, walk in the light. You're not pulling me over there. Now, look. Now, look. Here's the deal. If I expect an Android to perform like an Apple, they don't perform the same. You're talking about, what's the thing on, on Android? Who's the, who's the servant on, on here? What do you call it? Cortana or something? What's the name? On, on Android, what do you call the person that you ask to do stuff? Google? Bixby? See, I don't even, Bixby? This ain't Batman. Bixby, Alfred. 
Okay, so we're going to go with Bixby. Okay, here's the deal. Is that what you call it on Android? Wow. Okay. All right, all right, y'all ready for this? Look, look, let me show you what you've been doing for some people. Y'all ready for this? Hey, Bixby! And you hollering. <laughs> and you mad now. Bixby! And you wonder why it doesn't respond. <laughs> you wonder why you talk to it and it still don't get it. <laughs> Come on. You wonder what the problem is. You have to do what? Accept the reality of who and what they are. And that's what Abram finally did. Abram said to Lot, he said, you are my kinsman, which means my relative, not my family. Why is that distinction important? Because Abram in that moment said, I no longer expect family stuff from you. I only expect you to do what works for you. Because you are a narcissistic, sociopathic opportunist who uses people to get what you want. Y'all ain't going to talk to me right there. Now, and in case you missed it, here it is. Lot was an opportunist. How did he deal? Transactionally. Everything with Lot was a transaction. And the danger is when you're dealing with people relationally and they deal with you transactionally. How do I know the difference? Because they won't go the extra mile because it's not part of the transaction. They want you to cross the river for them. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. And when you ask them to do one thing, they act like you just asked them to, to, to murder their cat. All right? Lot was an opportunist. Anybody ever met opportunists? If you haven't met one, you are one. You can't meet what you are until God's ready to pay you back for what you did. I feel like preaching heavy today. Y'all ain't gonna talk. Let's go. Lot was an opportunity. He dealt transactionally, not relationally. Now, let's be clear. There are some transactions. If you are serving a leader, it is, there are transactions there. You, you do what you're supposed to do. So, you know, you, you do what you're supposed to do. When it comes to the Lord, we do what we're supposed to do. We keep him first in our finances. We keep him first in serving. There are transactions, but the basis of the transaction is relational. So I got to do my part, and I expect the Lord to do his part. That's the transaction, but I'm not doing it just because of the transaction. I'm doing it because we have relationship. So in every relationship, there are transactions, but I don't make the whole basis of the interaction the transaction. Y'all ain't going to talk right there. Uh, open your mouth say, I pray for amazing relationships in these next four months. Okay? I, when you go to the bank, most often... If you go to the bank and you're dealing with the teller, this is a transaction. It's a transaction. Like, most times you go to the banker, like, it's not so, you know, I'm going to hook you up with a little extra money. They ain't going to balance and they're going to get fired and charges. Because <laughs> the basis of the interaction is what? A transaction. Here's where we get messed up with people is that we think it's relational when the whole time it's transactional. You got me? Now, why was Lot, y'all ready for this? It's about to get good. We're about to start making this gravy. I mean, heating the oil up. We're about to put some flour in there. Good black pepper. Good black pepper. And you got to use the grease from the meat because that's the best type of gravy. I know, we, I know we live in Denver and we like to have bougie gravy, but I need y'all to learn how to get some southern gravy. You, you let that meat make its own and all those natural juices just, they're succulent and have a smoky flavor. <laughs> you know why I said that if you watched last night. Look, Lot was an opportunity to dealt transactionally, not relationally. Why was he like that? Say, why was he like that, Bishop? Because of what happened in the house he grew up in stayed in his house. What happened, anybody remember growing up, what happened in his house? They just didn't tell you that the house it stays in was you. What does that mean? It stays in your soul. Everything that you experienced growing up has lodged itself in your soul. What's my soul, Bishop? That's your mind, that's your thoughts, that's your will, that's your emotions. Let me show you this in the Bible. If you look at Genesis chapter 11, verse number 31, Terah. Now, Terah is Abram's father. Y'all remember that? Okay, so remember, Lot is Abram's nephew, right? His brother is Haran. Haran has a son. The son's name is Lot. 
and I want you to walk through this. Y'all ready for this gravy? Let's go. Terah, I've taught you, his name means a wild goat and a loiterer. What does that mean? What they see practice, what Lot sees practice by his grandfather, mm, is to be out of order and to talk about stuff he never does. When you are out of order, you don't see it wrong to harm people to get what you want. Mm. He took Abram and his son and Lot, the son of Haran. So who is Lot? So we know his grandfather is what? A wild goat and a loiter. Say he's out of order. Say, and he gets nothing done. Some of y'all know people right now in your bloodline that are, that are terrors. And terrors are interesting because they create terror. They're talking about what they're going to do, how they're fixing to do this, they're about to do this, they're going to do this. And they are, their whole existence is out of order. You tell them to stand, they sit. You tell them to move, they don't move. They look at you all crazy all the time. Like, what is your problem? Is there a goat that's wild? And what do wild goats do? Wild goats do not know how to operate in tame environments. You'll catch it later. Look, here it goes. Y'all still with me? Lot's daddy is who? Haran. Can I get you to say Haran? Watch this, because their names are revealing how they were raised. He was raised by a man that was thirsty. Come on. And whenever you're thirsty, you'll do whatever you got to do to quench your thirst. He's raised by a man that's dry. What do you do when you are dry? Here it is, is that you will try to leech off of somebody else's supply. Because you don't have your own supply. Oh, God. I ain't going to say what I want to say. But I just need you to lay your hands on yourself and say, I've got my own supply. I... But when you're Haran, you need everybody else to supply for you. So what does this mean? Th what, what does this mean? These four descriptive words of the names of his grandfather and father tell us Lot's issue. Lot is thirsty. Lot is dry. Lot is a loiterer, and Lot is out of order. What does that mean? He just refuses to submit to any order. How do you know he refuses to submit to any order? Because you have to keep telling him to do it. Mm. See, it's not in your heart to do, which is why you keep saying it's a mistake. It's not a mistake. You have a heart problem. I feel like preaching. I'm going to preach hard. Now, look. His grandson, that's me. Now, look. Haran died. Everybody look at me. Which means part of Lot's raising, his father dies. We don't see any specific mention of his mother in this particular text. Which means now, here it is. Y'all look at me. Who's raising Lot? Terah. The wild goat and the loiter. Look at me. You see this in families. Where they call a mama her first name. And they grandmama mama. Y'all are going to look at me like you ain't never seen this in your family. And you're trying to figure out what's going on. What's happening with the family? Why is this like that? Can I tell you what's going on? What's going on is that the same issue that happened in Abram's bloodline has tried to come infiltrate yours. Because for some of you, Haran didn't naturally die. He's just dead because he's absent. For some of you, Haran didn't naturally die. Watch me. He was present, but he just didn't make any contributions to you. Beyond financial. Beyond sending you something to help out with the groceries. Y'all ain't going to talk me. Y'all still here? So let's go. And Sarai. Now this is Abram's wife. Her name is Sarai before God changes her name to Sarah. Which adding the H means Sarah in covenant with Yahweh. So every time Abram said Sarah, he was saying, God, I remind you of what you told her. And Sarah, I remind you of what God told us. Got it? She was, look at me, barren. Oh, my God. So what is Lot's environment growing up? His daddy's not there. He's raised by a wild goat that's a loiterer. And the remnants he has of his daddy have left him dry and thirsty. And now, watch me, and now his auntie is barren, which means she's trying to treat Lot like he's hers. And we don't know the full lineage of Sarah, so we don't know what she's putting on him, except every time she sees him, she's reminded of what she can't have. 
come on, y'all ain't letting this gravy do what it needs to do. See, sometimes when you look at certain people's lives, you've got to go track where they come from so you understand why they act the way that they do. Let me tell every single person, stop just getting with people and you haven't traced the bloodline because you are literally marrying stuff that you better be prepared for because sometimes the divorce ain't because of y'all, the divorce is because of them. It's stuff that has been perpetuated through the bloodline. It's stuff that's been handed down. Every time Sarah looked at Lot, she said, I can't have a son. I can't have a child. As a matter of fact, I'm barren. So every time I see you, I hate you because you remind me of what I can't do. And some of you have been hated by people who can't have what it is that you are. And I need you to make this declaration. Say, but my next fall, my relationships will give me more. Can you put a praise in the atmosphere that God's about to clear some? So listen, his son, Abram's wife. Y'all still with me? Okay, let's look. His daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they, here it is, went forth together. We got, we, we got a weird family dynamic here. Because you're being raised by your grandfather and your uncle and a woman who hates you because she can't have you. Not sexually, but because you remind her she can't have a son. Have you ever asked why did God make them the promise? Because sometimes God will give somebody else what you want and then see how you act when they have it and you don't. And I need you to not be a hater. I need you to be a celebrator. I need you not to look at other people that have what it is that you want and you don't have it. I need you to look and say, God, if you did it for them, wait a minute, my house must be next. Because you'll do weird things to get it. What did she do? She told her husband, you can sleep with my servant because I just want a child so bad. You'll do weird things when you're desperate. You do weird things when you're thirsty. Uh-oh, you will accept unacceptable stuff when you're thirsty. I feel like preaching right through here. Somebody say, they went forth together. They, come on, talk to me. Say, they went forth together. Where'd they leave? They left from Ur, which means fire. He said, where are you getting all of this? See, y'all notice I'm doing it new now? Well, everything I say is right here on the screen. Well, virtually everything I say. A lot of what I say is on the screen. They left from Ur, say fire. That's what that means in Hebrew, say fire. Can I teach you to shout it on three? One, two, three, fire. Where did they leave? They left passion. They left desire. They left, watch me, serious focus to go where? To the promise. God set them on fire so they could get to their promise. I don't understand your silence. What does that mean? Somebody say there's two meanings. So the first meaning is that God is going to set you on fire high by setting something in your life on fire. What does that mean? There's certain things that have happened in your life. And watch me. God says, I let that be set on fire to start a fire in you. I let them betray you and I set that whole relationship on fire. Why? Because I needed you to have a fire to get up and keep it moving. I let the people you thought were always going to walk with you. I set that on fire to start a fire in you. Open your mouth. Say, there's a fire in me. And God says, I'm going to set that on fire to get you on fire to make you go to your promise. Let me be honest with you. Your greatest and most significant accomplishments came on the hill of God setting something on fire. What did he set on fire? You got fired. He set you on fire. Let's go. What, what did he set on fire? The person left you and they sent you a text. Wasn't he man enough to talk to you? Wasn't he woman enough to talk to you? God said, I set you on fire. You lost the house. I set you on fire. You lost the car. I set you on fire. You lost the friendship. I set you on fire. You lost the money. I set you on fire. The deal didn't go through and it looked like it was and it broke down at the last minute. God said, I set that on fire to set you on fire. Why? To go to Canaan. The promised land. Here's what I've noticed. Whenever stuff gets set on fire around me, I'm like, God, oh, let's go. My greatest progressions in life have come when God has set stuff on fire. And I need you to stop. Listen, don't even try to throw no water on it. Just say, burn, baby, burn. Because you just gave me the ammunition I needed 
to keep it moving. You just gave me the encouragement I need to keep it moving. You know what? I shouldn't have put all of it in you anyhow. I should have spread it around and built a bigger team. I'm going to keep it moving. Where were they supposed to go? Canaan. Say Canaan. Come on, I'm almost done. Canaan means promise. So they were, God set something on fire. What, was the, what did he set on fire? Haran died. God set them on fire, set something on fire to set them on fire so they'd start making their way to a promise. You got that? Because God's like, you won't do it if that's still. You're going to loiter unless I burn down where you were standing. Yeah, dog, that's good to me. You're going to stand there unless I set it on fire and you got to move. You'll settle unless I set it on fire. You'll tolerate their sloppy hat unless I set it on fire. I just need you to tell God, thank you, thank you, thank you. I need you to thank him for the stuff he set on fire. You were trying to blow at it. And God says, don't blow at it. You were saying, God, why me? God said, I didn't pick on you. I picked you to go to promise. I have chosen you for such a time as this. This will still be the best year of your life. This will still be the best decade of your life. Please open up your mouth and say, thank you for setting it on fire. Watch this. But when they came to Haran, here it goes. What did they do? Please read the next line. They settled. They had a collective meeting and said, let's settle here. Let's tolerate it. Let's accept it. There may not be a better opportunity there. If they don't do it for me, who's going to do it for me? And now, open your mouth, say, I refuse to settle. Come on, say it again. Say, I refuse to settle. Say, I refuse. Thank you. I refuse to settle. So watch. Look at verse 32. The days of terror were what? 205 years old. What happened? And Terah died. Where? In Haran. In a what? Dry place. There are people in your bloodline before you that died because they settled. Everybody look at me. Why did Terah die in Haran? Because it was clear to God he's not going to go forward. So since he won't go forward, I no longer have reason to pour into him. I wish you understood why you're next. Oh my God. I wish you understood why you're the curse breaker. I wish you understood why you're the interruption to your dysfunction. God looked at people in your bloodline and said, they don't want to do no more. They don't want to accomplish anymore. So I'm stopping my pour into them and I pick you. Open your mouth and say, I've been picked. God says, I'm done with Tara. I love him. I'm done with him. He doesn't want to move. He doesn't want to press. He's settling. He's a settler. And settlers get slaughtered. But open your mouth and say, but I'm next. <laughs> so you're going to be so glad that you didn't let suicide talk you into it. You're about to be so glad that you didn't let depression hold you. You're about to be so glad you didn't let fear, anxiety, or panic hold you. Because God's about to show you why he picked you. He's about to show you why you couldn't have given up. He's about to show you why. So look. So, so I gave you, I got to quit. Uh, I got to quit. I got to quit. Can I get you a little more? So Lot is now seen all the men in his family behave that way. Abram's the first that doesn't. Which is why they have trouble. They have trouble because Lot's expecting Abram to perform like his granddaddy and his daddy. And Abram says, I'm not a settler. And I just get you to say, mm-mm. So the question is, 
where did Lot get all of this stuff from? Same place we got it from. Same place Lot got it from. What happened in that house has stayed in this house. Can I give you something? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, we're going to hit it real fast. I told you on Wednesday to heal broken relationships. There was a few things you had to do. It's on the screen. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Don't lie to one another. Where'd you get, where'd you get your anger from, your wrath from, your malice from, your, your malicious gossip? That's what slander is from. Your crazy talking from. Where'd you get that lying from? And that you put off the old self with its practices and to put on the new self, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Where did you get all of that baggage from? What happened in that house stays in this house. So in your family's desire to look good to the community, it actually created an internal cancer. But today... But today, but today. So here it is. I got to finish Psalm 51 and 5. This is King James Version. And I want you to look at what David says. Behold. In other words, he says, look at me. He says, look at me. Look at me. I was shaped or molded by what? Sin that's been passed down and around. We look at Lot, and Lot, yes, he was a very awful guy. But he was just doing what he was shown. He was just doing what was passed down to him and passed around to him. Because can we have an honest conversation for a moment? He can't talk to Sarah because she's barren, so when she sees him, everything she says comes from a nasty place. He'll mess somebody like that, that no matter how you talk to everything they say, it just comes from a nasty place. And you're like, stop projecting your nasty over here with your nasty. What week is this? Third? Oh, it's your nasty self. What do you mean nasty? Mean. Cantankerous. And here's the danger of cancer. It tries to label everything it's connected to as what it is. It's a gaslighter. Y'all still here? David said, behold, look at me. He says, let me tell you why I'm this way, God. I was molded to be like this. By the stuff that was passed down to me and the stuff that was passed around to me. And watch me. And my mother conceived me in sin. What does this mean? David's father, Jesse had this relationship with David's mother, whom we don't see in the scripture. Because here it is, where David came from makes him doubt where he's headed. David's mama wasn't there. Wait a minute, Lot's mama wasn't there. So now we've got all of these issues because what happened in that house has stayed in this house. Can I go further? He says, where I've come from makes me doubt where I'm headed, God. You mean to tell me God's going to pull me from the back of the mountain, tending sheep, fighting in between me and my brothers because we've got different mamas. And Jesse, our father, doesn't want the community to know what really went on. Here it is. So I live protecting his secret. I wish somebody acted like you heard me today. How many of you can be honest? Where some of the places you've been have made you doubt where you're headed. Like, God, how can I? How, how can me? Lord, let me just settle. Ah! Let me just settle. Because this don't happen for people in Denver. Let me just settle. 
This hasn't happened for anybody in my bloodline. Let me just settle. This hasn't happened for anybody I've seen. Let me settle. But can I let you in on a secret? And your response to this will determine what happens in your next four. You have already done more than everybody else in your bloodline already. I said your response will make it clear where you are headed next. Say, where I've been won't stop where I'm headed. I need you to act like you're about to see God do some amazing, mind-blowing, incredible, over-the-top, how in the world, too good to be true. In your next fall, somebody say, I will see more. Say it again. Say, I will see more. Let me finish. Since childhood, our soul is our mind. Thoughts, will, and emotions. You know why you think the way you do? What happened in that house stays in your house? Your soul. This house refers to your house. You. You. Like, I don't live, I don't live like that no more. Because it's in you. So you can come out of Egypt, but Egypt never leaves you. You can come out of rape, but the rape mentality never leaves you. You can come out of being abandoned, but the abandonment mentality never leaves you. But today, uh-uh, when I say but today online in this building, your response is but today. What are we saying but today for? Because you're telling the enemy, uh-uh, no more. You're telling yourself, uh-uh, no more. You're telling God, uh-uh, no more. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Can I get you to open your mouth? Say but today. Our mind, you think the way you think. Your will is the way it is. Somebody's like, Bishop, I'm just strong will. No, boo, you out of order. And that's what you saw, because you saw your mother have to be a man and a woman. She had to take on the responsibilities of both. And so now you pray for a great godly husband. God sends one, and then you try to subjugate him like your child. Y'all ain't going to talk to me, and I, I promise you, I, pro I promise you I'm going to preach. Hmm? You pray for a godly pastor. God, give me a man of God that's going to teach me. A man of God. God brings you. And then your whole time, you just want to fight, kick, scream. And God is like, why would I give you a gift if this is how you treat it? I... Let's finish. Your emotions. You're emotional the way you are. Because what happened in that house stays in this house. So some people you shut down. Where are my shut downers at? Just be honest. Come on, because you're about to get free from that today. I just, just, I'm. With your smug face. Some of y'all got it on now. I will snatch that mask off. Y'all ain't talking to me. Y'all, excuse me. I'm feeling real apostolic today. your little shut down face on. And God is like, and you wonder why people don't want to fight for you. I can't fight for you if I got to spend all my time fighting you. Don't you accuse them of not loving you because they didn't fight for you. They just didn't have the energy to fight for you and fight you. I need you to lift up your hands and say, Lord, make me an amazing communicator. Say it. spend my energy on both so I can fight for you but I can't fight you I can't do both Jesus said I'm not doing both why did he fight for Peter because he said I don't have to spend my time fighting Peter you missed it here we go here's what we've been shaped by and I'm done first thing friends how many of us have been we take on the nature of who we're around most. Show me who's around you. I'll show you where you're headed. Some of you be like, Bishop, people just, she just started acting funny with me. Check her friends. That's where she got that from. They just ain't faithful like they used to be. Check their friends. Yes, it is. You, you take on that nature. And everybody look at me. You do it subconsciously. 
See, you'll delude yourself into thinking you're the leader of the group, not realizing you're being led by somebody in the group. It's osmosis. Osmosis is, is you take on the nature of something else. It's automatic. Here's number two, music and media. Music and media subconsciously program us. And you're thinking, I'm just listening to this old school. Now, let me say, for y'all try to come for me and my new Jack Swing music, let me help you. If you're listening to music about sex, 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 I'll flip you up, turn you around, hang you. I'm preaching like a Wednesday, y'all excuse me. No wonder, every time you see somebody, you flip them up, turn them around, hang them. Because you've been programmed. Some of y'all are mad, and you listen, you had a great suburban life. Listening to DMX don't mean you had DMX's experiences. I mean, literally, you had an amazing life. You talk about it, just the struggle. What struggle? You got an iPhone, Jordan's your own room. You didn't have to sleep with your brother head to toe. What struggle have you had? Y'all ain't gonna say nothing to me. Keep it real for the struggle. What? You ain't never struggled. You literally got to pick your lunch every day. Y'all ain't gonna, you didn't have milk with your pizza. You had a Coca-Cola with your pizza. I, I need you to stop acting like you struggled. And you got a generation of men that are mad for something they never struggled through. Because they've been programmed by something. The man is against me. What man? You literally have had every opportunity handed to you. You just squander it. Now, there are people who have had the man against them. That ain't your story, though. Y'all don't like this. You listen to the songs talking about, I should have cheated. Was that who you are? You're a cheater? You're going to let what they did to you change how you act? Oh, so what you're trying to tell me is the enemy's plan one. Ooh, I need you to act like everything the devil meant for evil, that God has been turning it for your good. Take three seconds and let God know he's turning it. Three, two, I got to finish. One, let me finish. I got to finish. I got to finish. I got to finish. I got to finish. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. We're good. The house we grew up in. We practice what we're presented, and practice makes perfect even if it's perfectly wrong. That's it. You practice what you're presented. If you're taught how to play wrong, you will play wrong and think it's good. Play a real slow on the drums. Play real slow shout music, just you. Play a real slow shout music. Okay, now just mess the tempo up. Everybody look at me. If nobody comes and says, that's not the right way to play. So you get mad when you hear a message like this because God's trying to get you back on tempo. Listen to me. If nobody comes to you and says, that's not the right way to do this, you will consistently play like that and wonder why you still suck. I wish you would open, and he does it, but I wish you would open up your mouth and say, I refuse to repeat the same mess. See, if I let him practice like that, he'll play like that. And we trying to have church, and we can't figure out what the beat is. And for some of you, the first eight months of your life was like that, offbeat. But I prophesy the next four. Everything will line up. Every tempo will be right. All the right people are in the right places. The tempo is right. Everything is exactly as it's supposed to be. God is perfecting those things that concern you. God is perfecting those things that you say it. God is perfecting those things that concern me. 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 So look at the psalmist. 
David says in Psalm 23 and 3, he restores my soul. Where was it messed up, David? The house you grew up in? Music and media? Friends. And he says he restores my soul. Remember that word I said lots of Christians love? Restoration. Look at me. Here's what restores actually means. He breaks it to build it. Everybody look at me. There are parts of you God has intentionally been breaking. I wish I had some honest people in here. There's parts of you that God is like intentionally. He's forcing you to have to submit. I wish I had some honest folk in here. He's forcing you. Why? Because God says, I'm going to break it to build it. How many can be honest? Some stuff has been breaking in you. Here's what it means. I'm going to cut away what's unnecessary. That's what he's doing. And when you won't cut it, he cuts it. That's why people ghost you. Because God's like, because you ain't going to do it. They can go. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm going to have them block you on everything. I'm going to have them not deal with you no more. Because you wouldn't cut it, so I would. Anybody that produces fruit, I prune. I cut away. And then look at this last part. Digs down to the roots. God says, I'm the God to restore your soul. Because what happened in that house is stayed in this house, and I need this house to look like my house. So I'm going to break it. I'm going to cut away what's unnecessary, and I'm going to get to the roots. How do you get to the roots? It's dirty. How do you get to the roots? It's messy. How do you get to the roots? It's uncomfortable. How do I get to the roots? I got to have conversations I never intended to have. How do I get to the roots? I have to admit the fact that maybe the issue isn't them. Maybe. It's somebody sitting in my seat. I wish you'd just look at your seat real quick and just say, oh, found the issue. Not to beat you down. In fact, quite the contrary. To build you up. God says, I want to restore your soul. So I got to break it. I got to cut away. You can say it. That's fine. So I have to cut away what's unnecessary and say he digs to the roots. So here's what we're doing. I want to give you some homework. Can I give you some homework? What were you molded in? That you think is right because that's how you were molded. And practice is made perfect. Even if it's perfectly wrong. Do it one more time so they get it. So start off on beat. Start off. Now mess it up. And your life never is in sync. sync. God says, not in your next four. Please hear me. Say, not in my next four. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts 
to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this for me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do... I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Hey, hey. 